Good morning, everyone. Uh, so glad you're here for our final week in our series, uh, Rescued by Prayer. And if there's anything that I could, you know, try to think about improving somebody's relationship, uh, whether it be with a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a spouse, I would say start with communication. Make sure your communication is strong. Make sure that the lines of communication are good. Make sure there's trust and honesty there. Make sure it's a regular process. And that could improve any relationship that you have, and that's what we've been looking at in our Rescued by Prayer series. Because there are moments in our life that feel like emergency situations. There's moments in time where things seem out of control, and the best advice I could give you is how well are you communicating with God? How well are you living life in relationship with God? Because if God is guiding you, God is leading you, then you're going to at least follow the best path possible for your life. And so that's what we've been looking at over the course of the last several weeks. And the first week, I want to kind of wrap it up as we conclude our series. The first week, we talked about five a five-second prayer that kind of opens up our opportunity to have a relationship with God. What a powerful moment, a powerful moment in time where people for the first time look to God and say, God, I need you in my life. God, forgive me of my sins. God, I can't do it on my own. That moment is such a life-changing, powerful moment in time. And, but that moment is something that hopefully should, should develop something that gets deeper and deeper. And we talked about a five-minute prayer a couple of weeks ago, a daily prayer to say, God, I'm, I'm looking to you. I'm just a little child. I need direction in my life. Uh, help me know what is right and wrong. And just kind of a daily prayer to, to focus your mind and your heart on what God would want for you that day. I, I talked to a couple of people that said, I've been trying to do that every single day. Uh, somebody even mentioned, I won't, I won't mention any names. Somebody even said, I can't make it to five minutes, but it's been a good practice, uh, and it's been a good thing that I've gotten in the habit of doing on a regular basis. What a great way to start your day to say, I'm going to daily have that conversation with God. And then a five-month prayer is what we looked at last week where the conversation gets deeper and the relationship is building and you're starting to ask God, how can you strengthen me in the areas of my life where I'm weak? How could you build something in me over the course of the next season of my life so that I can get stronger and stronger and closer to you? And today we're going to conclude by talking about a five-year prayer. A five-year prayer, a prayer that is kind of looking at, God, what do you want my life to be defined by? What is it that I am here on earth to do? And what a great question that we should engage God in. Because God is the one that created us. God is the one that can give us the best advice for what your life should be about. And so we should engage God in that conversation, shouldn't we? To look at a five-year prayer. What is my life all about? So that's what we've been talking about. There's lots and lots of famous scriptures in the Bible. Lots of different ones. Maybe ones that you can quote. 
There's, there's uh, the scripture in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth to open up the Bible, to set the stage saying, this is who started it all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that's a incredibly famous, important Bible verse. We look to famous verses and these important ones because of how critical they are. We read them often. We think about them often because of their significance. I think about other ones. In John 1, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only that came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is how John opens his gospel to say, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the one that was there in the beginning and that Jesus is the one who came to earth. Wow, that is incredible and so important. You've heard John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. The picture of salvation clearly displayed and clearly articulated. So important. You know, when, uh, when on Easter, when uh, Jesus raises from the dead and we we read the verses every year he is risen why do you look for the living among the dead he is risen just as he said incredibly important verses and then there's the great commission jesus before he left earth he said therefore go and go and uh, proclaim my name baptizing people in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and surely I'm with you always until the end of the age. There's also, of course, the Bible verses in Revelation that said there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And there will be no more death, no more pain, no more crying. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There's so many. There's these Bible verses that we look at regularly. And I've committed them to memory. And I've, I look to them often as, as, as places where I can put my trust and my hope and I can kind of foundational verses. And I hope you have some of those in your life, like some foundations that hold everything else up and you can cling to those and you can say, those are verses I know and trust. It gives me insight into the world. And those are ones we're going to look at, remember, and focus in on when things seem uncertain. Those verses are really critical and important, and we talk about them often because of how significant they are. And they've been, become you know, places where we, we reflect, we talk about them, we commentate on them. I'll tell you, some of the verses we're going to read today, I believe, fit into that category. And they're not talked about as much. But I think they fit into this category because if there's any verses you could read when you're in a moment of anxiety or uncertainty, it's these verses. It's a lengthy prayer where Jesus prays for you and for me and for the disciples and for the world. So if there's ever a moment where we're uncertain about something, if we read the prayer of Jesus, that could give us clarity, right? What did Jesus pray about? What did Jesus care about? What was significant on his, in his heart and in his life? And I'll give you a little, a little trick that I would say as we're, we're talking about building this communication up to a deeper, more intimate level with our creator. A trick that you can have in your prayer life is if you don't know what to say, pray the prayers of the Bible. We've read four of them so far in this series. Pray the prayers in the Bible and you'll know that you're praying God's will. And you can apply it to your own life 
and, and, and apply it to your own heart. And so these verses that I'm going to read today, I think, are that significant, but maybe we don't talk about them in the same way that we talk about some of these other ones. But maybe we should. It says this in John chapter 17, and I'm going to kind of read it piece by piece because it's a pretty lengthy section of Scripture, and I want to slow down and look at each of those pieces. But it says this in John 17 verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I want to pause there, and we'll continue on in a moment. But I want to pause as Jesus kind of opens up his prayer, and he's really reflecting on his time on earth. And it's really insightful. It's, it, it's such an amazing thing that we get to kind of overhear Jesus' prayer here. And we need to remember it is a communication between Jesus and God. And he is talking and he's in this fellowship. And I got to tell you, I don't quite ever uh, understand how it works when Jesus and God are talking to one another and how the Trinity works. We believe that God is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And he's praying to God. I don't get it quite. I don't quite get it. But I do know, and there's a demonstration here, and there's what Jesus is showing is the incredible unity and communication and the, the one spirit that exists in this moment, even as he's on earth, even as he in his person, Jesus, the person of the Trinity is there on earth and about to go to the cross and die. He's talking about, wow, this is what I was here to do. And I think some of his words are definitely for our benefit, but he is praying to God and expressing his heart as he says that, you know what? I finished the work. I have brought glory to you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. That's what it says in verse four. That Jesus said, what I came to do, I've done it. I've accomplished it. This is the mission. This is the point that I came to earth and I, I came to earth to do these things. And he, he goes into more detail about what he came to do. And he said, hey, this is eternal life that people would know you. He said, you know what? My disciples, they now know you and believe I've finished the work. I've completed the task that I was here on earth to do. Now they know me and they believe. And that is what they need. That's what they desperately needed. 
And so Jesus is reflecting on his life and reflecting on all these things. And he's at peace in many ways, knowing that he did what he was there to do on earth. And the question comes up in my mind is, do I know the work that God has put me on earth to do? Do I know the reason for my existence, for my being, for my life, for the precious years that I have on this earth? Do I know with certainty and clarity, God, what is the work you've given me to do? Why, God, did you give me life in my lungs? Why did you give me this time? Why did you put me on earth in this season? Why did you put me on earth in in, in the place that you put me? Why, God, do I exist? What a great question that we should seek the answer for, right? And I think Jesus' mission is probably a good start. If Jesus had a mission, a specific mission, what he was on earth to do, and we as Christ followers, followers of Christ, should emulate Christ's mission on earth as well, right? That's a good start. And he says his mission was to let people know about him. That people would believe, that people would know, and you can think back to and you can see the intimate conversation taking place right here, right now. The intimate communication that Jesus is having saying, I made them know you. May they know this kind of relationship that we have. May they get a glimpse of that, a picture of that. And if they do, wow, their life will be complete. But what a great question that should be a part of your prayers, because there's more specifics to that question than just, yeah, I'm here to make Christ known. That's a great start. But there are specifics to that question that I think should be a part of our prayer life, that we should ask God really and genuinely, what God have you put me on earth to do? What is the work that you have for me? Because I don't want to miss that, right? If you miss that, you kind of miss life. You miss the life that you've been given and the purpose you've been given. There's lots of different people throughout history that you could say and you could look to and you'd say, this person has a defining thing that they did and we know what they accomplished on this earth. This past year, there was, there was several different people that passed away that immediately when they passed away, people could say, that is what that person contributed. A one-line answer. This past year, Alex Trebek passed away, right? And so as soon as he passed away, there's news headlines that come out, right? And what does it say? Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy, right? That's immediately what he's known for, for all the years he gave to that and the excellence he did in in that uh, category, in that profession. And he is known very well for Alex Trebek, host of Jeopardy. He's known immediately by that. There's other people that passed away this past year. Our, uh, one of our Supreme Court justices, Ruth Gator, Ruth, ba- I can't, Bader Ginsburg, RPG. Okay, uh, that makes it easier. But as soon as she passed away, right, news headlines right away. Supreme Court justice served all of these years. Identified right away by that. And there was another one that happened that I I saw the the news article pop up. I was not familiar with this person, but this person may have had more of an impact on my life than Alex Trebek or RPG. But uh, it popped up and it said, Larry 
Tesler passed away. Everybody got that one? You guys know Larry? No. Um, he is the inventor of cut and paste on the computer. So every day, every week, I use uh, Larry's invention to cut and paste different things on my computer, on my phone. And he was, you know, when he passed away, there was news stories that said, the inventor of cut and paste passed away. There's that one line that kind of can identify certain people. And we know that Jesus had that in his life. He had that. And that was clear. And, and really, what I'm hoping for in my own life, I'm hoping that I can get to the depth of knowing why God put me on this earth, that I could answer that question. Why did God create me? What, what does God have for me? What is the work that God wants me to finish? And that is something that Jesus was clear on and something that should be a part of our prayer life. I want to continue on in verse 9. It says this. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by your name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scripture would be fulfilled. So Jesus has this intimate line, and he's starting to transition the prayer from him reflecting and talking to God and, and, and reflecting on his life. And he transitions to kind of talking about his followers and his disciples. And he says, you know, God, I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray for them. Those, those people who have followed me and they now believe they do, but now they're going to face difficult times. And I'm not praying that they don't face any problems or any difficulty, but I pray for their, their perseverance. I pray for them to continue to push through and I pray for them because I know that they're going to, they're going to face difficult things. And that's some of the, some of the words that Jesus reflected on even earlier as he was talking to his disciples and he, he, he turns that and he says, I want to pray for them. And he, he says, uh, this incredible verse in verse 10, he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. And Jesus's prayer for them is this. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Prayer is really about togetherness. It's really what it is. Prayer is really about that intimacy. It's really about that relationship. And sometimes maybe we think prayer is, is all about, you know, kind of us getting stuff off our chest, us kind of giving our to-do list to God. But really, we see here the togetherness and unity that is built in prayer and what Jesus is praying for. He's praying for that togetherness. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Jesus is praying for that fellowship. That people would grasp and understand kind of the intimate relationship that God has. 
And people would be able to figure that out and live into that. Can we be united with God? Can we be clear on what God wants for our life? Can we be in the same spirit of God? And if we can, then, you know, all of the emergencies, all of the the moments that it seems like things are too difficult, all of those things could be solved. Are you together with God? Is really the question of a deep, deep prayer life. A deep prayer life that is praying prayers that will be defining of your life. Not just for five months, five years, maybe 50 years. I'd say 50 years, but I don't think I have 50 years left. So, so uh, 40, maybe 46 or so. Um, but um, we'll see how, if I can cut up my carbs. Um, I'm trying. Um, but... Whatever time we have on earth, that's the point, is are you together? Are you on the same page as God? And that should be the goal of a deep prayer life, an intimate prayer life that moves beyond casual conversation into deep, deep things. That Jesus says, everything I have is yours and all I have is mine. Everything comes from God. Giving over the last 10%, 20% of your life and saying, it is all yours. I am in lockstep together, united with you. That's God's wish for your life. That's God's prayer for his disciples and his followers. And that's really the major theme of this prayer overall, is that people would be united. People would be united with what God wants for them and also that that would overflow into our relationships because God knows that if the church is divided, fighting, all those kinds of things, how disastrous of a testimony that is to the world, that they would be united with God, the same spirit. Has your prayer life reached a point in time where it is building that togetherness in this way, that your life is being transformed so much, your conversations are so intimate and deep with God, that you are in step with God on a regular basis. My life is living out the wishes that you have for me. That's deep. That's intimate. And that is how Jesus prayed. That's what he wishes for us. What an incredible thing it would do to our lives. How transforming it would be if our prayers got to that level. He continues in verse 13 by saying this. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sanctify me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify them myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus uses this term, this kind of very 
biblical kind of very theological term of sanctification that is just kind of a fancy way of saying being completely transformed. Being transformed and being renewed, being born again, being set free, being united. You could say it in multiple different ways, but I think many times we fall short of that aim in our life. That really what happens sometimes is we maybe get stuck in some of those early prayers. I, I, I've said over and over, and, and we will, it'll be a point of emphasis for our church now and forever that a five-second prayer is life-changing, so important. And we want to give people an opportunity to say a five-second prayer that could change their life now and forever into eternity every time we gather here together. So I'll tell you, every time when we take communion, there is an opportunity for everyone that walks through the doors of this, in this building to say a prayer, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, forgive me. Save me of my sins. And we believe that a five-second prayer can change someone on this life and the life to come, that they walk in, they have a life that is going down a road that leads to destruction, death, and ultimately hell, and saying a prayer to say, God, forgive me and save me, can set them free, forgive them now and forevermore. Wow, so important. But is it possible we get stuck in a five-second prayer and we don't get to the five-year prayer? Is it possible we get stuck somewhere along the road and we miss out on the full benefit that God wants for the relationship that he created us for? I heard a statistic that 25% of people that have a 401k program at their work do not take advantage of it. They don't sign up for it. So essentially what that means is 25% of the population is offered a benefit that they can have money, that their company will put money aside for them, put it in an account for retirement that can be theirs someday in the future that is a, a tax-sheltered account that is money for you that you've earned by working. You can have it, and 25% of the population just never, never like signs up for it or takes advantage of that benefit. That's kind of silly, isn't it? Somebody is offering you free money and 25% of the people just like say, oh, I, don't, I, I don't need it. And you think about that, it sounds silly, but the question that I have for us is what percentage of people have been offered the benefit of sanctification and have kind of said, eh, I'm not going to take that benefit. God has demonstrated his will for us is to transform us, to set us free, to give us an intimate relationship with our creator that moves beyond, that we get to a point, and it's a lifelong pursuit, but get to a point where we can authentically say a prayer like, all I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and it actually be true, or something that at least is building in our life. It's something that God desires for us, hopes for us. It's a benefit that he offers and extends to us. He's saying, you can have a transformed life. You can have an intimate relationship with your creator. You can know clearly what your life is for, why you were placed here on earth. And there is probably a higher percentage than 25% that would just kind of say, that's all right. 
I'll stick with the, I got the five second prayer. That's a pretty good benefit. I'm good there. Let's not ever settle and like walk away from the benefits that God is wanting to give us. The benefits that God wants is our relationship to be deep, truthful, intimate, and for us to fully really know what life on earth is for. Can we say a prayer? All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Can you say that prayer? Can you say that prayer in sincerity? Jesus continues and he wraps up his prayer by saying this in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I, or you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the word world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who have, who have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, uh, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. You see, as Jesus kind of summarizes and concludes this prayer, as he, he reiterates again the intimate, deep relationship that he's demonstrating to us. And he reiterates again the hope that he has for us to have something of the same. And so the call is, and, the, and really the whole series is summed up by the thought of saying, how deep and intimate is your conversation with God? Because that can be the cornerstone of life change in your life. How deep and intimate your conversations are with God is going to determine how is it you're walking closer and closer to God or is God more distant? Communication is the key to any relationship and God desires so deeply for you to have this kind of intimacy in your own life with your creator. For you to be united just as Jesus is demonstrating that in his prayer. That you may be changed. This is in many ways the big work. This is in many ways the big work that God has given you to do. It is in many ways the, the work that you at the end of your life. If you have that intimate relationship with God where you could say all I have is yours and all you have is mine. If you could say that clearly and sincerely, you could say at the end of your life, I've, I, I've done what you put me on earth to do. I, I know my creator. I know what he wants of me. I've tried to, I've lived that life. You've transformed me. You've set me free. I'm united with you. And imagine that being a sincere prayer that you could pray in your life. There's a thought that I want to leave you with. 
that is kind of a mind blower for me. Okay? So I'll get out my, like, my, my little visual aids here. You ready? All right. It, this is a mind blower for me. And, and, but I, I really do think it is true. Is if you realize Jesus right there is praying. And he's praying for you and for me. He's praying for the people that were his disciples there. But he also says, and for those that will believe me after that. You and me. He's praying for us. Okay? In that prayer, he is asking that they would know me so intimately and be able to proclaim that to the world in in a powerful way. He's saying this. That he's hoping that you will be the answer to his prayer request. You see that? That's a... You ready? Everybody with me. Jesus wants you to be the answer to his prayer requests. That kind of flips the script, doesn't it, a little bit? Normally we think, Jesus, you be the answer to my prayer request. And he, he is, okay? He absolutely is. And that's foundational. But he is saying right here, he is hoping and praying that the followers would be united and be able to clearly live a life that is meaningful that demonstrates him and brings other people to God. He is hoping that you can be the answer to this prayer request. Wow. That kind of drives it home. That kind of gives it, gives it a lot of significance and meaning. And as I think about my life, how powerful would that be if I could be a part of answering Jesus' prayer? Wow. Could you imagine? And that's really what he's saying. And that's really the call in our lives. That if we go deeper, that we can say, my life has been given over to the God of the universe, the creator of the world. And I know what work you've been given, you've given me. I know that all I have is yours. All you have is mine. Will you join me in prayer? God, I'm so grateful for this prayer. I'm thankful that I get to listen in on this and understand really clearly what you want for my life. So God, as we know, this prayer is your will. This prayer is your desire for us. So God, today I just commit that I make this prayer my prayer. God, rescue me. God, save me. Save me from all the temptations and difficulties of this world. God, save me from 
the moments in time where following you is difficult. Help me, guide me. Help me not to give up. Help me to know what I'm created for, God. I pray that I would know clearly what you put me on earth to do. So God, today we pray this big, bold prayer. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. I want to invite you to offer your own prayers to God. I want to invite you to say a prayer. And if you have the courage, maybe say a bold prayer like Jesus prayed. Say this, these exact words. You can know you're praying God's will. Ask God to help you get to a point where you can say, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. You might need to ask God for forgiveness. You might need to commit to him that the lines of communication need to improve and you're going to work on that. Wherever God is leading you, I invite you to, to pray and be honest and truthful in your prayers. Go beyond the surface level prayers and move into the more intimate conversation, inviting God to deeply into your life. God, hear our prayers. Forgive us of our sins. God, we pray for a deep, intimate relationship, God, that sometimes we must admit is not quite there. So we invite you into our whole lives. Guide our steps, guide our thoughts, guide our actions, sanctify us. God, all I have is yours. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to enter in again to a time of communion. Give you an opportunity to respond give you an opportunity to open up the line of communication, open up kind of into a more intimate relationship with our creator. And that's what this moment is for. 
for us not just to sit and respond, uh, sit and reflect, but also to respond and to come forward and ask God to help us and fill us. So you're welcome at this table. You're welcome to come and participate in communion as a way for you to continue to deepen your relationship with God. But what we ask of you is as you come forward, do it with a sincere heart and an open heart, expressing your hope to understand and know God better and for God to come into your life. So as Jesus, right after this, or right before this prayer actually, gathered with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. May this be for us, the body and blood of Christ. May this deepen our relationship with God. May we come into intimate communion with our creator as we respond, as we seek him, as we open up our life to him.